Okay, I'm going to call the meeting to order. The first item of business is the minutes of the January 12th Executive Committee meeting. Is there a motion on those minutes? Moved by Balig, seconded by Schmidt. Um, is there discussion or amendments or corrections? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and the minutes are approved. Under presentations, we have a, we're fortunate to have a presentation this evening by one of our innovation interns, by Ila Kotke, and it's on inclusive outreach for Dane County's AEC master planning. And I really, Ila presented this to the oversight committee um, for master planning, a longer version of it, but I wanted to make sure I brought this back to the committee because this is, we oversee the interns and also this is something that is going to be an issue the whole board really has to grapple with and I think it's it's important to have representatives from each of the committees here and thank you um, Chair Nelson for coming too because it will be your committee that it also comes back to this issue. So um, so I appreciate um, Ela being here today to present um, and give us some direction on as we move forward. And I also should say this Friday the Oversight Committee for the Alliant Energy Center is receiving the initial findings on the market study and economic analysis for the Alliant Energy Center. And so we'll be getting those initial findings. The committee will be responding to that, and then there'll be um, a final report that comes a few weeks later. So um, we're excited about getting that initial findings. And, and the next step, really, in dealing with that is to do some community outreach before the committee makes a recommendation back to the board. So this is very timely for Ela's presentation. I'll let you take it away. Oh, great. And um, can everyone hear me okay? How about now? Oh, great. It's, it's amazing. I have not had that before. Uh, I'm good. So um, we've got a short amount of time, so I'm going to run through the main points of this presentation. In fact, several of you have experienced this presentation before. And I want to focus on it's a two-part approach. We're talking about outreach efforts. Um, to the community at large with a focus on the um, AEC, around AEC, and then focusing on the issues that were brought up with the community about the AEC. So it's really two different um, different points that we're talking about here. So um, we, you know, the Alliant Energy Center, it's, it's a gateway to the area and it's a real opportunity, but we have to look at coordinating and cooperating and looking at what our timeline looks like. So the county is in charge of this particular piece of property until about, what, 2022? And then there's an opportunity moving forward to the city of Madison um, turning this over um, and then having opportunities to develop it as well. So there's a two-pronged, again, two-pronged approach in terms of the county has an opportunity to buttress its growth and development and then the city then taking over potentially. Yes. I just wanted to clarify what you're referring to. You were referring to that we could use CDBG money and those kind of economic development um, tools, and we'll own it the whole time, or unless there's a different governance model. But and then we could use TIF after that with the city, if the city, because it'll be in the city after that. Correct. Okay. Which I was going to go into for some of our strategies. So. Um, 
there's, again, real opportunities here. So when we talk about our strengths, weaknesses, doing a quick SWOT analysis, which I'm sure you guys have used quite a bit, um, we have this large space available to us. You know, it um, is the site of World Dairy Expo. And if you think about that ag presence, and it has, what, a $50 million economic impact and brand, that's something to be leveraged, all right? And how we leverage that's the question. Um, the weaknesses are neighborhood connectivity. How well are we interacting with our neighbors? How well do we know our neighbors? Um, and then our opportunities, um, they look like what additional businesses, what additional events, which you will be doing, um, you will be receiving those reports from the Hunden um, consultants, I believe, and looking at what those industry trends are even outside of just the event entertainment industries. The threats here, though, obviously are can we get coordinated and start cooperating with each other in the timeline that we need so we can get our ducks in a row? So, again, timing is of the essence. So one thing that came out of all of these studies, and I'd really like to emphasize this, um, Todd Violante talked about you're doing all these studies, but the real crux of this that really defines economic development is placemaking. Why do people choose to come to a space, all right? It's because of this sense of place. And how do we maximize this sense of place? So one of those key aspects are reaching those people in our neighborhoods and using those best practices to reach folks, but also looking at site development, and then how can we share these issues and connect these resources. So what Dane County has been excellent is you guys have started on the outreach process. In fact, Sheila Stubbs and your planning and zoning department have already done some community outreach, which, you know, is not, to, not typical. So what you're trying to do, this is a typical ladder of participation. You could be just doing tokenism where you're doing a simple two-dimensional outreach to your community, but instead you're actually for asking for engagement. And this engagement means that you're going to have real ideas and make this a true democracy in terms of people interacting with it. And so the issues that came up is that removing barriers is not enough. You've got to have community representation, um, maybe outreach to churches or in informal spaces, looking at creating internships, apprenticeships, look at issues associated with noise, with flooding. They really, um, the stakeholders really talked about having a connectivity to the AEC and also having access to alternative transportation. Having a transit-oriented development or having multiple modes of transportation means that more people can use this space and it's not just a car-centric environment. And then having economic available opportunities available to everybody surrounding that community. And my background is in economic development, so this fits right in my wheelhouse. So the best practices we're going to focus on is that we want to be partnering out of the box with key organizations because there are constraints at the county level. You've got limited funding and you've got policy barriers that necessarily don't preclude you from reaching out to people in the manner that they need to. We're looking at placemaking. We're looking at what those barriers are to community engagement. We're looking at training the trainers, maybe some online gaming um, prototypes, and then internal leadership. And actually, I want to stress this most importantly is that You've, the fact that you guys have hired innovation interns, that you're looking for community engagement outreach, you're modeling the, you're walking the walk, and um, you're not just talking the talk. And so that means that's a huge step. It has to be mirrored within your internal leadership in your departments as well as at the policy level. So the first thing we want to do is get to know who are the people in our neighborhood. So the people in the AEC area this is actually a pretty high poverty area. It's a very diverse area. There's a lot of um, really vibrant ethnic and rich neighborhood patterns and engagement that's going on here. 
Um, there's a high youth population. If we zoom in on that a little bit more, you can see that a little bit closer. This area also has a high Hispanic or Latinx population. And if you again zoom in on that, you can see that a little bit closer. Same thing with African-American population. If you zoom in with Hmong population and then also with American Indians. So um, Dane County right now is at 2.7% unemployment. That sounds good, right? How many of you guys think that sounds good? I'll tell you, actually, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> that means our businesses, which we are growing in Dane County, Wisconsin is growing when it comes to manufacturing, but they can't find enough workers. And because you can't find enough workers, your business cannot grow, you cannot expand, and so you can't reach those economies of scale. However, in other, in, uh, other populations, 12 to 26% unemployment because these folks have, are dealing with um, institutional poverty, structural barriers to poverty, and they can't get the necessary training or the transportation, childcare, or housing that they need in order to have a sufficient job. So you have people that are currently maybe tax users but would like to be taxpayers. And if we can get them connected to businesses that need workers for, to grow their industries, then this is a huge win-win situation. So we have a population here. We have a site that's prime for business development here. How are we going to make these connections? So one recommendation is to connect businesses with our technical colleges, with um, our nonprofits, with the county involved in terms of providing a service model, uh, social impact bonds. And so we provide nonprofits, we partner with businesses to fund, sorry, to fund these um, outreach. So in other words, we have, um, we have these community fairs with outreach mo moments where um, they reach out to, the nonprofits reach out to the communities, the businesses come to those communities, and as a result, they're able to connect directly with workers. So it becomes a win-win situation. So the county is here a facilitator and working with business and industry in order to make that happen. One of those barriers in order to achieve it, or three of them rather, this is a um, classic case for underemployment. If you don't have transportation, childcare, or food, you can't take the job. We have people that are working part-time jobs. They want a full-time job, but they can't because they don't have somebody to take care of their kids. They can't get um, to work on time from place to place because of inconsistent transportation. So in terms of having these conversations, if we can provide transportation, if we can provide childcare, and we can provide food, then there's an opportunity for people, these people, that need to be at the table to participate. This is where that social impact bond is useful because when you're partnering with a private partner who is willing to sponsor and work with nonprofits, nonprofits can work with, say, Uber or work with a taxi company, be able to provide that transportation or use public services to get people to a location. They work with Head Start programs or they're located in churches or in schools, and so the kids are taken care of while the conversation is happening. And then food. We underestimate the value of food. But food, and I don't mean like here's like uh, nibblies and it's cocktail hour and you've got some finger food. I mean an actual sit-down meal. Because when you have these conversations face-to-face -face and you're taking it at a slower pace, it induces an intimacy and people truly start to listen. And it's this listening that people are starting to engage and think, I can start thinking about my opportunities. So um, one of the successes with pre-college programming is that they don't just go after 
kids in college or kids in school. They go after parents. They go after grandparents. They go after the decision makers. And so by having the entire family here, you're going after the entire decision maker, and then you have a real opportunity for behavioral change. Informal universal locations are also essential. And what I don't have included here are um, bars, coffee clutches, uh, uh, barbershops, as well as beauty salons, because these are also informal places that people like to respond to, along with our churches, our parks, our libraries, our schools, because these are places where they're universally used. And they also have the amenities already set up for people to participate in, so if you need a space for kids to interact in the um, accoutrement to, for them to play, it's already there. So once you have all these folks together in a location, we make this a one-stop shop for people. We don't have it just as a community outreach event about AEC, but we also make an opportunity. Here are the services that the county can provide. Here's the technical colleges and the assistance that they can provide for the training and fast-forward grants to get you um, up and running and on your feet. We can pay for you. And here's a business that would be willing to pay for you and go through an apprenticeship program. Department of Workforce Development, the South Central Workforce Board, they have a program called Middle College, which they target kids seventh grade and older that are not sure if they want to go to a four-year institution, but they go ahead and set them up on an apprenticeship program through um, the technical colleges, and they get them, start getting them paid. They have a tough time reaching into different audiences. Let's connect with them so that they can reach not only these audiences, but again, our businesses can get the workforce they need, and we can get folks um, connected to the services they need. And this is just a description of the SIB model where government funds investors or government and businesses fund investors. They have an upfront cash, and then they provide those services, and then they have metrics, and they're evaluated by that. So that is a competitive program that is set up by the government and or the partner, the business partner. So this is just a repeat of that. Next thing is placemaking participation. So you've got these people together. Are you going to be talking at them? Are you going to be having, like I'm doing to you right now, presenting to you? Or are you going to actually have them engaged so that they are looking at the landscape and then they're building, they're, they're participating? And so what's fun about this placemaking um, activity is that it can go, it can be taking place anywhere. You can do it on the streets. You can hand it off to nonprofits. You can have students take over, and then they're using this to build up their research. Um, what I like about this is that we can partner this with our existing events. So our cultural events that we have with our commission, we can be partnering this. Um, that way it becomes a one-stop shop, and you're really targeting different types of audiences that may be willing to participate. And if you're doing it at the AEC, then people are actually engaging in the space that they're trying to build. So working with communities to pool what their assets are. And they talk about for placemaking that you want to look at what your assets are in terms of, you know, what your streetscapes are, in terms of what your um, available funds are, because you'd be surprised some of the connections that people have. And this is where I think, this is my next recommendation, is where students can be a really big asset. So what this is, is Minnesota Design. Um, this is a group of urban planning students that have come together, and then they go into communities that have been um, ravaged by a tornado or by hurricane or flooding. And then they talk to communities about how do you want to rebuild, and then they draw it out. They don't keep it all verbal. They make it visual. 
And making it visual is really the key here. So when you start making it visual, then people have an idea of what will work and what won't work and what people are talking about. And then once you have a visual, then you can start assigning dollars and cents to it and seeing how feasible and prioritizing those decisions based on those dollars and cents. And lastly is, uh, and you're nodding, there's a SimCity. Everybody's played SimCity at some point. So um, this is placemaking in the cloud. So again, I would rely on college students because I certainly don't have the background to oops, do something like this. And um, CARPC is actually putting something together for their comp planning, but creating an online, in the cloud, interactive, um, interactive interface where you can actually draw out AEC and then start designing where you'd like to put what you want to put. And then all of a sudden you'd have not just written feedback, but you actually have a visual that different people are putting forward to you. So this is where I would suggest utilizing UW-Madison graduate classes to put this kind of information together. They can do survey work. They can do um, application for apps, apps and online cloud development, as well as design work and facilitating um, some conversations in terms of getting the visuals out for different, different audiences. I still have your picture up there. So, and um, so this, this is partnering with community change leaders. And the people that I have up here, they're folks that are recognized in their communities in niches that we may not know about, but they have fellowship. And what fellowship is, is that we may assume that we're talking to the nurse or the, the pastor and that that's the leader, but it could be the person that's playing the, the church organ. That's the person that's going to get things done. And so identifying who those folks are and then connecting and working with them to reach out to those audiences will get us a better understanding of who we need to work with and who we need to connect to. And um, if you're familiar with the tipping point, anybody here Malcolm Gladwell fans? Nodding. Um, he talks about essentially you want to get those connectors, those change leaders, those thought leaders, and using places like hair salons and um, barber shops. In fact, um, Aaron Perry, the picture, picture here in the running, he's currently doing that, working with barber shops. Um, and talking about men's health and really making a difference and impacting African-American lives around men's health. And so it's just starting small. It's a small scale, decentralized to get this word out. But that's starting small builds, builds things up, which I think is frustrating from county government standpoint. You've got limited resources, how you want to make a big bang quickly. But starting small is actually what we do best. So, um, again, training those trainers. And there are um, nonprofits that are willing to work with training those trainers or working with thought leaders. Um, the Interactivity Foundation, they actually have guided discussions. They provide uh, the facilitator. They will actually pay for the people to come together and have a meal. They'll even pay for child care. So they'll do that for um, at least one or two sessions. This last bit um, is talking about using specific language, target specific language, and framing the information in such a way. So you might be talking to somebody about climate change or talking about um, social equity, but if you talk about it's bad for the economy, maybe that's what presses somebody's button. So understanding that you as county board members, you are trying to get your message across when you've got the media, you've got social culture, you've got public opinion, and you're all trying to create a policy agenda. 
Are you making the right policy agenda based on the information provided, or are you using the correct target language, the correct framing, so that you understand, A, the issue, and B, how to frame the issue when you're communicating that out to the public? So that's, again, where I think UW-Madison students can come in and help um, sort of tailor that direction. And then lastly, this is talking about the internal development here at Dane County, the leadership do you as leaders understand what it takes to understand what kind of policies that you're putting into place? Are there any barriers associated with those policies, unforeseen externalities that you have no idea that you're putting forward? And that's where I think having a true understanding of what cultural competencies are and going through those trainings as you're talking about reaching out to the community is going to behoove the kinds of and, and grow the kinds of policies that you want to achieve. So we've talked about just the best practices of reaching out to audiences. We've talked about places. We've talked about providing food, transportation, childcare. We've talked about how to talk to people in such a way that they can relate with. The second part is, is actually when you're reaching out and talking to the community now, how do we talk about the site, about AEC? And here we're going to talk a little bit about things that weren't covered with the consultant. So the issue like with parking lots, with noise, with drainage, um, about how to use the space, that's what we're going to move forward on now. So the one thing I just want to remind us, were the key issues that came up were, are there business opportunities for youth, underemployed, minority? What are the issues with noise? What are the issues with drainage and major flooding? Lack of transit connection. Parks are very important amenity. I didn't spell amenity right. Sorry about that. Um, and more neighborhood connections to the site. And so one thing that came up is that you have this huge, expansive parking lot. So this huge, expansive parking lot is a great opportunity for something called modular markets. And modular markets, this is something out of New Zealand, where you can actually break these down pretty quickly. They're made out of recyclable materials, um, and they're all based on creating a market space and then being able to deconstruct it at the end of the week, end of the day. Very similar to what you see at the Madison Farmer's Market, but a little bit um, more... I don't want to say stylish, but um, it's, it's designed for a greater market use. And so here's a couple of the layouts that um, this architect was using, and this is it in practice. So, you know, they, they're used with recycled materials that go up. It can be used for, um, what's it called, for, mar for produce as well as for, um, what's it called, small-scale generated um, value-added for value-added products. And when we talk about entrepreneurship, folks that are of immigrant or baby boomer ages, they actually have a tendency to go into entrepreneurship 25% more than Caucasians. And so the venture capital, the amount of money that's circulated in these communities, and the inclination to actually start small businesses is much higher in immigrant and ethnic communities than it is in um, Caucasian communities. And so how these work essentially is that all of the, the parts fit within the actual uh, model, and then you can store these, you can deconstruct these, you can stack these on top of each other, and so that you can still be able to use the parking lot, but then be able to bring out these modular units in order to encourage um, pop-up markets. Here's an example of a pop-up market. Um, they don't technically pop up anymore because they decided to keep it permanent, but this is made out of shipping containers. This is in DeKalb. Um, Brooklyn, 
the DeKalb Market in Brooklyn. And so this was actually created through a placemaking where people came together, played with toys and Legos, and said, you know, why don't we use shipping containers and put this together on this particular piece of defunct land? And so these are shipping containers. They've got eateries on the first floor. They've got seating on the second. Um, each one is its own shop. And, and this is how they did the interior layout, and they've stacked them three high on some portions. So they stackable, but at the same time, it's encouraging very organic growth. And so an opportunity here is that when we look at the expanse of the AEC parking lot, do we have the opportunity for looking at modular markets? You know, you look at, uh, you've got 2,400 parking stalls in one area, 1,500 in another, 1,200 in another, 750. So there is a bit of expanse of parking lot. So even taking one of those, your, um, and they've got one with 200 stalls, and using that and utilizing this as a pilot program. This is low-hanging fruit in terms of building this and then seeing how it responds. In fact, a lot of this I would consider low-hanging fruit. So the next one is talking about the parking lot as a canvas. And why do I bring this up? But with artistic expression, you're helping to brand the location. And there are lots of ways to um, use this. So this is creative crosswalks, and McDonald's actually has – paid to sponsor making their particular crosswalk walk with, you know, French fries. Mr. Clean has done it. Coca-Cola has done it. But this is a way I can imagine the one up in the top right with the chicken feet. What if that was with Kelsey for World Dairy Expo? So you're really, truly starting to brand the area. And this doesn't cost that much money. So this is um, mayors, um, cities. What they've done is that they've set aside a pot of money, and then uh, groups, they apply for it. They talk about the location. They talk about the design. They talk about how much it's going to cost. And then you can start doing these, again, small-scale um, treatments in order to brand the location. And some of the side effects to that is that um, car drivers go slower, and pedestrians end up using the space a little bit more. Plus, again, if we can get a sponsorship behind it, then you can actually be generating some of the money behind it. Stormwater management. And so these are examples of swales, adding trees, um, adding uh, pervious pavements. And what I like about this is that the top schematic illustrates that in the parking lot to the left, people don't want to walk in it. And the one where you have trees and you add pervious pavements, now, all of a sudden, you've created connectivity. You've created walkable connectivity. So if you're trying to get from um, the building to the park, all of a sudden, you feel comfortable walking this area. You don't necessarily feel comfortable walking in an open parking lot. In fact, there's psychological studies done in terms of trees that have been added to parking lots versus ones that are just expanses of, of concrete. So when we talk, it's placemaking. It's stormwater management climate change mitigation, and it's a little bit of noise control on top of that. So, again, this is low-hanging fruit, and it really depends on where you want to be doing this. So um, using a test patch is a possibility. And this is, uh, you can also be using this in terms of crowdfunding certain areas, and people choose to be taking on these, um, these community projects. This is drivable grass. It can actually be um, shoveled upon. Um, when you're trying to shovel snow off of it. Um, but again, you're, you can still drive on it, but because it's got grass on it, people tend to drive a little bit slower on it. So it's actually very good for mitigating speed. And then it's pretty. 
Um, noise barriers. Noise barriers, these are green noise barriers. They mitigate about 15 decibels. If you combine this with actual um, technology for noise sound barriers, you can actually get that down to about 60, 60 decibels, which would be great for mitigating some of the, the noise issues associated with the Alliant Energy Centers. So again, it looks attractive. You're mitigating for um, stormwater management. It's noise protection, and it's uh, creating place. Solar parking roof. Now, some people say this seems unfeasible, and it really depends on which state you're from if you have the supporting uh, tax incentives. So states that have supporting tax incentives, they tend to have a lot more of these. And I don't think Wisconsin currently is added. They did have it about six years ago, but they changed the structure associated with it. Yes, <laughs> so we're all kind of depressed about that. But I will say the one in Washington, the FedEx Stadium, they have solar parking lot over 821 parking spaces, and it covers 20% of their um, energy costs on game day and all of their energy costs during non-use non days. Again, we have 1,500, 1,200, and 1,500, 1,200, 2,400, and 750 parking stalls, four different. So lots more than that. So can you imagine the generation? Plus, the side effect of that would be it's great shade for when you have World Dairy Expo for all those cows. So, and then this is, yes, so 1,150 stalls, 2,400 stalls, so lots of different stalls when you think about the organization of space. And then crowdfunding, this is what you're starting to see a lot more with community crowdfunding, where you just make a project description, you send it out to the community, and see which businesses and nonprofits and individuals are willing to fund which projects. So you, you see this with businesses, but we're also seeing it now with community projects. Um, future business possibility. I'm going to put this out there, Drone Hub. Everybody laughs. I mean, it's really cool, right? But um, when you think about the impact of businesses, it is a growing, phenomenal, growing business, all right? And it's estimated to be in the next 10 years about $127 billion worldwide. And so when you look at the applications to infrastructure, agriculture, logistics, security, ooh, entertainment and media, um, telecommunications, mining, a lot of this is actually perfectly situated for Dane County. And so we have opportunities to do small-scale um, business startups with drones because we're starting to see that more. I, I, I live out in the rural area. I have three companies that are wanting to start with um, drone um, analysis of soils with agriculture and with infrastructure. So it's a fast-growing business. And this is an example from Barcelona. They're repurposing an old bullfighting ring into a drone hub, as well as a media center. So you've got the drones flying above, they are shooting lights, woo, and then they're also going off and doing their business. But um, the idea was is that this particular architect is saying, we want to move forward with having a drone hub, but we're also going to reach out to the community and have this conversation because there are a lot of uh, misconceptions associated with drones, and they really want to have this be an organic discussion. Providing visual examples from all over the world also helps to jumpstart the vision for the community. And this is a picture from the 1965 World's Fair. Who wouldn't want that for an opening? And then talking about a TOD Expo Center and 
in order to have this conversation, it's essential to be letting folks know, it's like, yes, we want a TOD, but here's the timeline associated with creating any sort of TOD working with the city of Madison. Sorry, transit-oriented development. I did that. I used jargon. I apologize. Um, so transit-oriented development. What that means essentially is that you have, um, it's multimodal with buses, with rails, with bikes, with pedestrian connections in one spot. And because of that, you end up seeing a higher impact of your property, your property rates, property values going up. It becomes the place where people want to be. And as we're seeing with boomers and millennials and Gen Zers now, they have less desire to drive. And so having the mixed uh, modal transportation means that we're going to see a, we have more people that want to have access to alternative transportation. However, it takes a while to set these things up. And so managing community expectations around this is important by walking them through the process. And then also walking them through the process is any sort of redevelopment is probably going to be master planned. It's going to take some time. So letting them know that plans change and um, finances change and partners change. And so if this is going to be a long process. We may not always be in communication with you, but this is the big vision of it, and this is how long we think it'll take, but it may take longer. So managing expectations is very crucial. So that's what I have. Thanks, Hila. There are a lot of exciting ideas to engage the community about, but I, I think that maybe, I don't know if people have questions on this as you, anybody? I really, I think that I really appreciate you bringing it to us, and I think it's something that, as we think about trying to, uh, and you have lots of ideas with specific that could apply to the Alliance Energy Center, but um, for engaging the community about possibility. But I, I like your ideas too, just about levels of engagement and that to truly engage and really be seeking feedback is important. And we've tried to do that, whether we did that with the Public Protection and Judiciary Committee, I think when we did criminal justice, um, some looking at some of the changes we needed and um, on mental health. And I think that it's something that it's a direction we really want to keep going with the board. So I appreciate your ideas on that. Well, thank you so much for having me, and this has been a wonderful experience. I really appreciate working with Dane County because it's truly light years ahead of a lot of other counties. So. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Eva. Okay. Um, now we're on to um, the referrals. Um, we have Resolution 404, Food Waste Prevention and Recovery. Is there a motion on Resolution 404? Moved by Schmidt, seconded by Balig. Is there discussion on Resolution 404? I'm not sure who the sponsor of this is. Do you? Okay, okay, and he's not here. He's not able to be here this evening. But um, I know that it's been it's moved along steadily through the process. And does anybody have any questions or discussion on it? Okay. Did you want to? Okay. Um, seeing no more, for no further questions or discussion. All those in favor, say aye. Opposed, say no. The ayes have it, and Resolution 404 is approved. 
The next item is the discussion and possible action on selection of priorities in the 2017 to 2019 legislative agenda. And I think the agenda is attached to, to the agenda. We have our, oh, Mickey has hard copies. I knew, I should have known. <laughs> we'll skip the sustainability part of the agenda. <laughs> And other committees had come forward with suggestions, and I'll, I'll mention what we've heard from other committees. Um, they, I'll just summarize some of the priorities that they've mentioned, that local transportation issues they wanted to highlight, um, funding for the district attorney's office, green energy, water quality, recycling, and 17-year-olds, um, putting them back into the juvenile system. And HHN last night, um, they wanted to include opposition to legislation that imposes requirements on the recipients of, of public assistance, food share, health insurance, W-2, et cetera. Um, this could be the kind of requirements like drug testing or co-pays or work requirements. And in the legislative agenda, they said it's line 205. So for each committee, as I, we've asked this to be on the agenda and to have priorities referred. And I didn't know if folks, I wanted to open it up to folks if there are specific issues that haven't been mentioned so far that you were thinking of um, that we should make sure that we highlight. The idea is that we're going to, send our legislative agenda to the legislature, but we want to highlight about 10 issues um, in the legislative agenda that we really say these are, are ones we really want you to pay attention to. You know, as you know, we have a very lengthy agenda because our lobbyist really needs specific instruction in order to be for or against something, but we wanted to also summarize issues that might be especially timely right now or um, we feel like maybe there is a chance of making some progress on those issues in the legislature. So I want to open it up. Um, Supervisor um, Schmidt. Um, so I have a question for um, our legislative liaison, our fabulous legislative liaison, Mickey. Um, Mickey, in light of the um, uh, budget uh, uh, that was um, submitted to the assembly uh, yesterday, um, are there any areas that you feel we should that we're missing in, uh, or things that we should be highlighting that might be more relevant because of things included in the budget? Um, well, I've only been coming through it, and um, I mean, it doesn't look that bad. It's just kind of scary about it. Um, and uh, in terms of our agenda, I mean, I'd say you're right on target with the number of uh, the issues. Um, oh. If there's a couple other people asking to weigh in, maybe I'll give you a moment to think about that if you wanted to. Sure, and then, but you really don't. I mean, it's your agenda. Okay. You don't need my advice. You know. But in terms of the, uh, I'll just end it. The, the budget bill, you know, he has the welfare reform in it that he talked about the other day. And um, it's about it's about it. Everything else is waiting on what's happening on the federal level. If there's going to be Medicaid block grants and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Supervisor Stubbs. Thank you, Madam Chair. A um, couple of things, and it was not identified in any of the other 
standing committees, but I think that our county board has done a wonderful job, continue to be creative towards the racial disparities um, topic of eliminating. And I was wondering if I need to be very specific or if we just say 19 through 21, we'll continue to ask our lobbyists to focus with us on those areas. Or if you want me to be very specific um, with the numbering, because I did and circle a couple. I don't have the full agenda in front of me, so. Oh. Um, sorry. That's okay. So on page one, and then we have eliminate racial disparities. And I'm wondering if we want to continue to highlight 19 through 22. That's all the areas of racial disparities. And I've also identified specific numbers. And I'm wondering if I need to be very specific with those numbers or if I just ask her to highlight 19 through 22. To like, are you agreeing that we should summarize them and um, highlight each of them? I like the idea of, of just acknowledging that 19 through 22, especially because many other sections do not have a header, which illustrates how important that header is mm -hmm. to us. Um, I know that that wasn't something that came up at PP&J, and it was because we were looking at specific things. I mean, I can't, I can't comment um, if people would have said things otherwise, but that I think I, I would support that idea coming from this committee of just saying that is address racial disparities everywhere and anywhere. And then we could summarize some of the points in here and have that be one of our items. Two, but um, and that's why they didn't happen in committee. I know there were some other areas too. So, thank you, Madam Chair. Okay, thank you. Okay, Supervisor um, Baird. Thanks. I was just going to comment that the ones on PP and J. I don't remember if you were there, Chair. Robert, I was, and you mentioned them. Yeah, yeah. they really, it, they really came out almost unanimously. It was very interesting. Supervisor Willett, Supervisor Rusk, and myself almost all three of us had the same top two priorities and also that we also felt those priorities were doable the move 17 year olds back to juvenile court certainly was a bill that was introduced and had momentum and many thought was going to pass in years past so we think that that you know we certainly agree with that issue but also thought it had political momentum and um, the funding of DAs it's hard to tell if that will ever have political momentum, but we thought that was so fundamental and could change so many, allow us to do so many more programs if we could. So I just wanted to emphasize that those two were, had bipartisan support and uh, uh, multiple level support uh, at PPJ. Thank you, Supervisor Baird. Supervisor Schmidt. Um, uh, so um, two things. Um, we had a discussion at the um, MPO, uh, the last MPO meeting, about the fact that um, because the legislature and the governor are struggling so much with the issue of transportation, that it might be an opportune time to have the MPO communicate to them about how an RTA authority might have a positive impact mm -hmm. on um, the high cost of roads and things like that. And I apologize because um, I'm pretty sure 
um, if I could ask Supervisor Nelson, Chair of Public Works, um, was this discussed at the last public meeting that I was sick for? Yes, it was, yeah. Put it back on him. Sorry. Could I ask um, Supervisor um, Nelson if he could just kind of reiterate the transportation? Sure, and I just had said local transportation, and two committees had mentioned that, but I didn't really go into the detail of it. But why don't you, if you could let us know what? Uh, well, actually, I did bring up what you we had talked about earlier, uh, Robin, uh, and unfortunately you weren't able to make the meeting, but the importance of local transportation, uh, particularly as it relates to, um, you know, bus, you know, the uh, bus rapid transit. Those are some issues that I know, you know, Robin's been very instrumental in, in working with uh, through the Public Works Committee, and it would be nice to see that move forward. You know, we talked a little bit, too, about, and I think uh, Mickey uh, Beale addressed this, you know, having a common agenda. I know with the Library Association, it was the idea you tried to find things that uh, you could look to what any other organization is doing and say, well, we can help you achieve your goals. And I know that's sort of a challenge nowadays. But, uh, but we felt that, uh, you know, transportation was important enough that, um, you know, particularly as it, it, as, as it relates to um, just, uh, the bus trans, uh, transportation, uh, the need for, well, you know, in a way, working for, to ways to see what other roles the county can have, and I know that's been one of the, the top priorities that Robin has put forward in these various discussions. So is that sort of answer your question then? Did you have any further? Okay. Supervisor Young. I don't know if this has been brought up anywhere else, but if we wanted to just talk about general attacks on local control, I just feel like it's a broad thing overall. Um, and also, um, with the discussion at HHN uh, yesterday, it was a little bit um, just because uh, Chair Levin wasn't there and um, uh, our legislative liaison was not able to be there. It was a little bit more fractured as to like what our goals were. Um, but I think that the really key thing that came through was also discussing um, funding for homeless services in Wisconsin, which um, that was the other thing that got talked a lot about in addition to um, uh, requirements being placed on folks to receive public benefits. Um, and I think that that's also one of those things that could be, with the lieutenant governor's increased focus on it, could be something to talk about. But. And I skipped that. I'm sorry. I just I didn't realize that I missed that. When I... No, it's fine. Thank you for pointing that out. So, but your comment on local control is an important issue too. So, let me, um, Supervisor Stubbs. Um, question for you, Madam Chair. On line 114, it talks about sanctuary cities and counties. Is that an area that we need to highlight? Considering tonight we'll have a resolution. taking away legal control, mostly in response to um, the tremendous unanimous vote by the city council earlier this week with literally hundreds of individuals, disproportionately Latino uh, and immigrant communities coming and speaking. So I think a statement uh, saying local control. local control is important. It certainly, it certainly would cover that in my opinion. Thank you. Supervisor, um, Jones. 
All of these topics that you've discussed seem so much more important than the things that I'm going to ask for, but uh, two potential wins, because it has been in the news a lot, would be rural broadband, and I know that the governor has focused heavily on schools and rural broadband. It would be nice to emphasize that even though we are Dane County, the fastest growing county in the state of Wisconsin, that there's a lot of rural broadband issues. I think we potentially get overlooked because we're not thought of as rural. And then the other thing would be um, water quality. I think in our committee at Environmental Ag and Natural Resources, that all of us agreed that water quality was incredibly important. And maybe I skipped over that, but that was one of the one two committees had recommended water quality. So I'm sorry if you, yeah. you probably said it. I just okay. didn't hear. Good point. Uh, okay, so we've got here's what, we've got to boil it down to two choices, and we have combining the 19 through 22 and having a statement on equity, and then we have local control, and we have a third one that I'm. No, those are already done. Oh, rural broadband. I'm sorry. Just because you just said it, I completely, you know, short-term memory loss, I guess. Um, they're all, well, I think one, you know, because some committees may be repeated, um, and we have the, uh, um, we have the, um, <laughs> um, the privilege of being the last committee, maybe we could do three because some committees had, um, had done the same thing. So, We'll, by consensus, agree that those are our three, and then we'll, okay. Thank you, everyone, on that. Pardon? I think we've done it by consensus. I, I, think, I don't know. The, I, in fact, I think that's how most committees did it, that I was by consensus. Um, so then on to reports to the committee. I wanted to update you on an item that... Um, I've been worked with the board office on, and this is the idea of um, Universe City. And what Lisa is distributing is a copy of my letter to UW's Universe City Alliance Board. And this is, um, we've applied to be able to be part of their program. And this is something new that they're doing. They piloted it in the city of Monona. And um, it's the university in their upper level undergraduate and with graduate students um, producing, having classes that uh, are created around a challenge that a local government faces. And I, I don't have a copy of what Monona's did, Monona did, but they had identified a series of challenges that they were facing. And then the university professors created classes. Students did capstone projects that addressed those issues. And it seems like such a wonderful opportunity for us to get some really innovative thinking. In fact, Ela talked about, you know, the importance of getting, you know, import, input from students and some innovative thinking. Um, it's something that would cost us about $40,000 um, to do, um, so we'd have to use our um, um, our audit money to do it. But it would, if we did it, we would be attacking some of the issues that we've talked about doing audits on, which we wouldn't be able to do 
for audits for that amount of money. It would be a great opportunity to engage us with the university and to get some real innovative thinking and um, have some solutions that we could potentially move forward from the county board level. So I wanted to update you on this. We've just applied, and we're working with them, and we hope to hear back soon. Karen, do we have an idea of how long it will be before we hear back from them? Okay. Okay. So we hope to hear back soon, and then this would be for the fall. And we could pilot. My thought is we could pilot this and see how it goes for this year, see how what it looks like, and consider doing this in the future on a larger scale, even with other issues. And I know the the um, they have the university um, representatives have been really interested in partnering with Dane County because they see a lot of issues that they have students who are interested in. Addressing everything, you know, from human services issues to land issues to, you know, to um, transportation issues. There's just uh, and social problems that, you know, looking at innovative solutions. So it's an exciting experiment for us to be engaged in. And I just wanted to give you an update and see if anyone had questions on that. Supervisor Schmidt, you had your yeah. I, well, I, I just wanted to comment because I um, was at a meeting yesterday with the mayor of Monona and several of the Monona, um, uh, the administrator and other representatives, and um, they are, they could not be happier with all of the um, support that they got and the value-added work that the university um, uh, project resulted from. And, 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 and um, the way the mayor put it, um, you know, the city could have afforded to have done one small microcosm of a project, but by this partnership, they had a dozen things happen that saved them an enormous amount of money. That just in the parks department alone, some of the work that the landscape architecture students did that we could never have afforded to have done. And it was a very, very positive experience for the students and very, very successful from the city's perspective. And he mentioned that he was excited about the fact that the Dane County Board of Supervisors was. Uh, hopefully going to be doing a similar kind of partnership and was very encouraging. So. Oh, good. That's really a good feedback. Thank you. Further thoughts, comments? Pardon? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in addition to everything else ELA has done for us, we, this would not have happened without ELA. And ELA, we, this was kind of a, the deadline was this week, was it? Um, Monday. And so, at the, you know, we were trying to put this together at the last minute, and ELA drafted our application and really um, dug in and did this work. And I just, we owe her a big debt of gratitude for doing this. So, it was a, thank you, Karen. Of classes that address different aspects of the area and part of what we wrote into that application is you know it's the development of really a policy agenda for the county board and I think part of what what the folks at UW find attractive is having this glide path 
to decision makers. And so we really hope we can have members of the board as part of each of these teams that's looking at each of these areas. So that'll be unfolding as we as we move forward. Also, if we are chosen, which, which we're hopeful about, we'll probably have a resolution that really kind of specifies all the details. So you'll be seeing that, hopefully. Thanks, Karen. Further, are there other questions or comments? Okay. We'll keep you posted as that moves forward. Future meeting items and dates. Uh, we'll be meeting again um, at the before the next board meeting, which is the 23rd, is it? Yeah. And then such other business. Moved by Schmidt, seconded by Balik. Discussion? All those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and we are adjourned.